Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at North Kentucky University. With me today is my regular co-host, Cleveland Area Attorney and Republican Factotum, Jay Carson. Happy New Year, Mike. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. How are you doing? I'm I'm pretty well. It's it's a little weird because it's it's not exactly the New Year yet. That's so true. nope, um, almost. But we don't we don't know how a lot of bowl games have turned out and that sort of stuff. So it's but it, but it will be. I might a, actually by the time people hear this, I might feel differently than I feel now. But yes, you know. and hopefully by the time people hear this, I will feel differently because I am still struggling under uh, under this sort of upper respiratory tract thing. So with with any luck, I will keep the. The, the hacking and what coughing to a to a minimum. So uh, we'll 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 see how it goes. But I have yep. high hopes. Anyway, so if you're ready, Jay, we can just kind of plunge right in. Yeah. Okay. Great. So uh, you know, I wanted to start from a comment from our last listener mail show, and this is from Eric, who sent us a link to a Miami Herald article that he thought uh, that you, Jay, might have been referencing when you were discussing vote fraud, specifically ballots mm-hmm. that have been found that allegedly had been found in an airport rental car. And Eric wrote, you will note that the article is titled, no, those ballot boxes found in Broward don't contain votes, officials say, and was published a full seven days before Jay went on to cite it or another article to push his right wing agenda. Please issue a retraction or cite the mysterious article published right before you went to air from the same newspaper that apparently said the complete opposite. So, Jay, um, yeah, when we mentioned that last time, uh, you hadn't had a chance to read the article, uh, and uh, obviously it made sense not to respond until you'd had a chance to do sure. that. So, uh, having having looked at that now, uh, what, what what do you think? I've I've looked at it, and I stand by my story. Um, I stand by their stories, actually. Um, the the article I referred to, and I, this is what I talked about when we were on the show, spoke about uh, ballots being found in the back of a rental car in the uh, the, the Florida airport, uh, all of which is true. The difference this uh, article makes, which which Eric points out, and again, I'd say thank you, Eric, for for keeping an eye on me, for for uh, keeping us honest here, but. This was a response from the Broward County Elections lawyers saying, well, there were no votes found in the uh, boxes, which is true. And it's not something that I I alleged. I said there were ballots. Um, The difference being votes are ballots Ah, that have been filled out. Um, In in the article that uh, Eric had sent, uh, the attorney for Broward County uh, Board of Elections and uh, uh, for Brenda Snopes, says, no, 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 what what was found in those boxes uh, was merely, uh, and this is, this is one of the beautiful euphemisms, it was uh, voting supplies, if you will, mm-hmm. um, which included, and then sort of if you dig deeper, well, there were some pencils, there were some pens, uh, but, and yes, and there were some provisional ballots, and, and note that the box that was found in, in this car was marked provisional ballots. And the the uh, Broward County response is well, well, we mark a lot of boxes, a lot of things, and um, it's all just it's it's voting supplies, really. Um, so no, I I look, uh, Eric, I appreciate it if if I was unclear as the difference as to whether actual filled out votes were found in the back of this uh, car or whether it was just a provisional ballots. Um, let me clarify that I was talking about provisional ballots, which is. That's this is supported by uh, that that story. 
Uh, and I, I stand by my concern that, that if you just have provisional ballot, ballots floating around uh, in the back of, of uh, rental cars, uh, that's an indication that your system is is either so unsecure uh, that it invites fraud, or it's an indication that that uh, something uh, improper is going on. Uh, so either either way, I uh, I stand uh, I stand by it. I don't think you ought to have. Uh, I mean, there ought to be a, a a clear chain of custody for official provisional ballots. Uh, so that you can avoid things like the the vote harvesting type uh, uh, scandals that we've seen elsewhere, where you can just have ballots that would show up out of nowhere brought in by someone. So, Eric, uh, again, I, I appreciate the. Uh, uh, okay, so yeah, actually, the vigil. I appreciate Eric's vigilance. Yeah. I, uh, but nevertheless, it was not a a a, some, a part of me to try to create steer my right wing agenda. Gotcha. I, I was actually unclear on that too. So. Uh, maybe I was, I don't know, maybe I was drifting off as, as you were explaining it the first time, but sometimes that happens, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I actually thought tape, yeah. along the same lines as Eric that you you were alleging that actual filled out ballots were were found in the in, in the trunk. And so that's obviously a, a pretty important distinction. And so uh, I, I certainly understand your concern. We wouldn't want voting supplies just kind of floating around. <laughs> But it's. But I would also say it's. It's one thing to, and I think what what a lot of folks have done is assume that well, that you know it's actually that there were completed votes that were not being counted that were in this, and that that's a that's a whole different thing. Well, no, and actually, no, really, the the um the concern from conservatives obviously wasn't that there are completed votes that weren't being counted. It's that there were uh, votes that were being created. Right. Right. That was that was the concern is that these just. Uh, you know, okay, you've you've got the the people who actually vote, and then you've got uh, the the additional ballots that were just seeming to show up uh, in the middle of the night, and that was the conservative yeah. uh, concern. So, and, and yet, ironically, well, not to be everyone's concern, uh, really. Ironically, but. in in the only sort of fairly well documented widespread vote fraud case in this recent election, it's actually just the opposite with the seemingly conservatives uh, harvesting. Uh, absentee votes and not turning them in. And that's, of course, the, the North Carolina situation where it looks like uh, the House is not going to uh, seat uh, Harris, I believe, who uh, ostensibly won that election. So that's still an ongoing type of thing. Right. But, uh, but anyway. All right. Um, let's see. And I'm against that too, Eric. So. <laughs> yes, you're against vote fraud in general, right? I mean, I yeah. to say. Um, uh, so a different Eric. Uh, wrote in, uh, who he recently became a sustaining supporter of the show on Patreon not too long ago, and he said, uh, Hi, politics guys. I became a patron after hearing Mike say how grateful he was to reach $500 in monthly donations, which shocked me because a show of this quality deserves so much more. Well, absolutely, oh, Eric, you. first off. You know, you're, you're totally right. I figure an order of magnitude <laughs> more would be a good start, but we're working on it. Anyway, so he writes, uh, My political views align mostly with Mike, a wise man. Um, Hearing my own opinions elegantly put to voice over a podcast is nice. Well, that's, nice. that's flattering. But I enjoy listening <laughs> to, Joy e to Jay even more because he helps me wow. see today's conservative perspective. So if I may make one criticism, often when uh -huh. Mike and Jay disagree, Mike has a habit of ending the conversation with, well, you're wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, I do that. Uh, I understand the need to move conversation forward, but I do not believe knocking down the opposing opinion that way should appear on a show dedicated to civil debate so often. But feel free to tell me that I'm wrong. 
the show is one of a kind. <laughs> Keep it up. You know, and I, I definitely do that. Uh, and I think, and I, Jay, this is, I imagine, I, the spirit in which you yeah. take it is that it's sort of in a joking, sort of a, not like a kind of a, you know, Jane, you ignorant slut sort of thing. That's yes. a reference from our... Well, I sort uh, of do take it. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It's sort of a comedic right. sort of way of, at some point, you, you know, Eric, as you realize, we sort of need to move on to the next we, thing. And there are some points at which we... I, I know. I hate that's, that. that's Mike's way of saying we agree to disagree. Yeah, you know, exactly. And so I think because we have some fundamental... Uh, premises that we disagree on, those aren't going to change. And since we're working from different premises, we can't really get very, we can't get past a certain point. And at that point, it just makes sense to sort of move on. And so uh, uh, maybe my- we can't, we can't get past a certain point on that, whatever certain topic yeah. it is based on the information that's there or the issue that's, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I believe that- There are lots of times where things are, you know, well, we'll wait and see how this turns out and, you know, but yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, I firmly believe that, you know, Jay being a, being a, a smart and well-intentioned person that given enough time, I could win him over to the way of goodness <laughs> and truth. Uh, but, you know, we just don't have that kind of time here on the show. Right. So uh, that's, and I'm sure Jay believes the same thing. So anyway, thanks so much, Eric. Next, we have Don, who writes, as always, I love the show, and I believe it's getting even better. Great job. Wow. But here I am again about term limits. I just can't, okay. quit, I just can't quit thinking about them as a solution to this partisan win-at-all-costs mentality in Congress that just continues to plague us. I emailed you before, and you and Jay were good enough to discuss my question on the podcast. Both of you focused on how term limits would not achieve a desired end of making sure there were changing faces in Congress and gave good reasons for why. I agreed with your reasoning, but you both missed my main point, which I want to bring up here again. Whoops. Okay. Anyway, I uh, says, my support of term limits isn't about making sure there are changing faces in Congress, but rather I see them as a weapon against this constant malady of gutlessness among elected officials because they're always concerned with winning over the party or they're always concerned about getting reelected or both. And both things almost always lead to pardon, partisanship and gridlock. To me, the teeth of term limits is that they would cut out some of the first thing and at least the second thing altogether. Here's why I bring it up again. Recently, Jay was commenting on lame duck legislatures operating within lame duck sessions, and he said, tough choices are made in lame duck sessions. Exactly. I believe he made my point. Wouldn't term limits create a lot of ducks with guts making tough choices? So, Jay, what do you think? That's, that's, a, that's an interesting take. Um, you know, I, I guess the way I would look at it is, is there's a difference between uh, being a lame duck, uh, meaning, look, you have been uh, a, a lame duck in the, the sort of the truest sense of that, in that you have been defeated, right? Um, uh, not that you are just uh, moving on to a different office. Um, and, you know, then sort of having nothing, nothing to lose to go ahead and, and vote your conscience. Um, but uh, it, again, the term limits, you know, based on on my experience of them at the state level, um, it doesn't move the needle on on partisanship or giving people more latitude. It's it's much the the other in that uh, you've got folks who are um, because they're going to be essentially out of work, right, uh, in whatever, four years, six years, eight years, whatever whatever you 
the, the term what it is, um, that they are necessarily um, angling for the next job. Uh, that may be another office that they're running for. Um, it may be much more likely some sort of appointment somewhere. Uh, and, and that gives, uh, that, that changes the balance of power. It gives uh, more power to the executive uh, in terms of, of, of making appointments. It gives more power to, now again, appointments are a little bit different in, um, um, in the federal level than the state level. Um, but there's there's also more of them to be made, right? There's there's always a, a place to to find uh, to put somebody if you need it, um, and, and I think that's that's sort of a you know I don't want to say corruption because it's not corrupt, it's it's just politics, but it's it's a um, I, it doesn't it doesn't uh, in my view change the 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 way the system operates. It tilts it a little bit more to, towards the executive, or it tilts a little bit more towards uh, party leadership. Who would you know be active in deciding who's who's going to get support to run for that other office? You know, for example, whether it's a senate seat or um, uh, you know a state governorship or or wherever the you know your your uh, guy with the clock running on him is is going to go. So, yeah. and I, I I would agree with all that. The one thing I would add is it also I think uh, you have you need to think in terms of the incentives of these office holders and and certainly they might be going on to another position and want the party support or hope to get an appointment the other thing and this is the most popular uh, the most common job for ex members of congress is to be a lobbyist and so right. if their incentives are to do what the whoever the you know the lobby the, the lobbies who might be their future employers are that's not going to necessarily change their conduct a whole heck of a lot and so I agree with you. I'd add that. The other thing I'd add is I just generally have a problem with term limits because it puts a constraint on the voters to choose the person that they want to choose. And so if we're going to constrain voters that way, we better have a really good reason for doing that. And I just the evidence to me just doesn't doesn't support that. All right. um, Moving on. Let's see. Eric, this is maybe our third Eric of the day. I don't know. It's the week of Eric's, um, but there you <laughs> go. The same guy. Just yeah, there, there you with go. Um, but anyway, Eric left his comment on uh, on the website in the comment section, publicskies.com. He writes, he writes, hey, guys, I'm a Florida Democrat who also happens to be a citizen of Ecuador, where mandatory wow. voting is the law. I can't believe it, but I agree with Jay. I know the feeling. Sometimes it happens to me, Eric. It's weird. Anyway, um, the practical effect of mandatory voting is to flood voting places with people who wish to avoid the $40 fine and are the least informed or interested in politics. The wealthy and educated, the most politically active class in the U.S., largely eschews voting in Ecuador because they rightly conclude their pro-business views will be drowned out by leftist appeals to the bottom third of the income distribution. The only yeah, people like the that can that. the only people that cannot afford to pay the fine for not voting. Great show. Well, thank you, Eric. Now, I, I so I don't. I'm not an Ecuador expert, obviously, Jay. I'm guessing you're not either. But no, I'm not. But I will say, I will say this. I went looking for some demographic, some voting statistics by demographics, and you know, like uh, uh, exit polls, that sort of right. thing. I couldn't find anything. And so, as a social social scientist, I'm not saying Eric that you're wrong about this, but I'm not ready to say you're right about it unless I can find some data to support that. So maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. But what I will point out is in the last 
Ecuadorian presidential election, and this was in 2017, it was a pretty closely fought thing between the right-wing and the left-wing candidate. The, the winner got 51.16% uh, to 48.84%. So it's not like the votes of the business class are necessarily being, at least based on that, being washed away in any sense. And I'll also point out that Ecuador's uh, voting uh, voter turnout, as you would expect, is considerably higher than it is, say, in the United States. They average around 80% or so, where in the U.S. for presidential elections, we're around mid-60s, and then for uh, midterms, we tend to be somewhere in the in the mid-40s or so. And so I'm not, again, I'm not disagreeing, but I would need some data to, to demonstrate that. And even even if that data exists, I would say, well, I don't necessarily know. You still know. wouldn't believe you. Well, no, no, I, I might believe you, but I might say, well, is that necessarily, you know, we need to talk about exactly yeah. what that means and if it's a good or a bad thing. And if, you know, if people, if the wealthy can't be bothered to vote, well, then that sounds like the wealthy's problem, you know, in a sense. And so there's a lot going on here, but I think to start with, I need to find some data and maybe it's out there, but my guess is that there's probably not a ton of good exit polling data in in Ecuador. Maybe there is, maybe I'm wrong. And if there is, if anyone knows about it, I couldn't find it, send it my way. I'd be happy to revisit this. Jay, any thoughts? Oh, I just think uh, interesting because that's something that actually didn't occur to me was the idea of people who wouldn't vote would be the ones who could afford to pay the fine. Um, but I would say that uh, might actually I, be a good thing because, uh, you know, the, the people who tend to have the most who tend to vote the least are the people who are in lower socioeconomic classes. And so if they can be encouraged by various ways to vote more, then that makes the voting population look more like the public in general and other things being equal should give you a more representative result. Right. But you, you just said, well, if the rich can't be bothered to vote, well, then that's a problem for the rich. I mean, couldn't the same be said uh, well, if the poor can't be bothered to vote? Well, that's that's their problem. Except that the poor have certain structural barriers to voting that the rich don't have. Like okay. being poor, you know, um, generally speaking, being poor. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Being, generally speaking, being poor makes everything harder. Including voting, well, I, I, I'm, and we yeah, can't just we can't just both laugh that off. I mean, I mean, not that you're, I'm not you're twirling your mustache and so forth, that kind of thing, and, and cackling or anything. But but I'm saying this that that's a very real that's a very real truth, and it's true about voting. No, what, what I'm what I'm things. laughing what I'm laughing at is is if if the problem is that the poor have barriers um, uh, to voting. Uh, how does finding them forty bucks uh, help remove those barriers? No, I'm saying yeah, no, you're right. And it does help to remove the barriers. Counterintuitive. Yeah, no, and it doesn't help to remove the barriers, and that that's a fair point. But I, and I think for for a lot of folks, it's just the matter, and it puts one more thing on them. And, and I'm not. And, in and, favor and also, of that. my my sense is forty bucks is probably uh, a lot more. Uh, money to a poor person in Ecuador yeah. than it is to to someone here. Also, I, 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 mean, I think I would it's expect, that, yeah. that I, I don't. I, again, I don't know the uh, you know economic exchange rate or anything like that. But my my sense is that's that's not an insubstantial fine, yeah. right? I would I would I would guess no. not. But I mean, I, again, not being an Ecuador expert, I would or even close to an expert, I, I wouldn't want to speculate. But uh, but in general. Again, I would like to see a system that would remove a lot of these barriers and, you know, help people to vote in that way, as opposed to finding them or anything like that in different countries with mandatory voting, do it different ways, certainly. Like, I don't know how 
aggressively this fine is pursued. I know in some countries, for instance, there's a fine, but it's not something that like, just like, you know, there are fines for jaywalking and things like that, that aren't necessarily very, you know, that, that aren't necessarily carried out. You won't see like in major American cities, a lot of people being fined for jaywalking, even though technically they could be, I don't know if that's the case with voting or not. So in mandatory voting countries or in Ecuador, anyway, any other thoughts on that, Jay? No, pretty, uh, not, okay. well, I, I, other than there's, uh, again, I stand by sort of the the general basis that, look, just because something may be good for you personally, not you personally, Mike, but, you know, for a person to do, or good for society, uh, you know, typically the way the, the West has always operated is it's sort of this, this you know, system of logical positives, ah, um, Positive that look you can <laughs> you you start with the assumption that you're free to do what you want to do, uh, and then there here's the exceptions where here's the bad stuff that that you know you can't do because it's harmful to everybody, but but we don't tend to legislate and here's good stuff that you you must do because um, that can grow to be a, a, an incredibly long list. Yeah, and I think that's a, a fundamentally broken assumption and a bad one. But uh, then again, in the last few months, I've just grown to question more and more the whole liberalism enlightenment project. And that's a whole nother story. So anyway, for another day. But uh, but yeah, so I disagree with you on such a deep level that we need to do probably a whole series uh, on that. But anyway, um, okay. there's another view on mandatory voting we got also this week from from Brian from Australia, who uh, okay. recently also posted in uh, politicsguys.com in a comment section. Uh, and uh, let's see, I, you might recall, Jay, I cited Australia as an example of possibly how mandatory voting could be done in the United States. And Brian thought it would be a good idea if we had some first person details since him being okay. in Australia. He writes, as I'm an Australian citizen, I thought I should weigh in as I think there is a fundamental misunderstanding about mandatory voting that often derails discussions such as yours in an, un- in an unhelpful way. Firstly, and most importantly, our law does not force us to vote. And I mean that in a very literal way. The Australian law requires that on election day, you turn up to a voting center or mail in your papers ahead of time if you've made those arrangements and have your name ticked off on a voting register. That is your entire requirement. From that point, when you're handed your voting sheets, you can fill them in or, if you wish, or or drop the form uncompleted in the box. No one checks whether you filled anything out. No one stands over you as you write your preferences. Whatever you do, once you're handed those voting papers, it's entirely your freedom of choice. As I said, you are not in any real sense forced to vote. You are just compelled to be aware of the political process of which you play an instrumental part, whether by your action or no. It sounds like a semantic difference, but I assure you it is profound in the impact it creates. Firstly, you not only have a more representative result as it encourages people to pay attention to the issues and the promises of each respective party in the lead up to their social responsibility, but it places the requirement of providing sufficient facilities for voting upon the government. It's also why our election days are on holidays, so no one is disincentivized to participate. Our system may not be perfect, but there's a reason you do not hear as many stories about voter disenfranchisement sorry, voter disenfranchisement and vote suppression here because that right to vote is sacred and must not be impinged by political chicanery. 
Meanwhile, I was sadly unsurprised by the deft way that Jay pivoted from a promise to look into the misinformation he's been spreading for the past few weeks about election fraud to a full throttle repeat of some said conspiracy rambling. I'll look into it and get back to you, but blah, 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 so forth and so on. And you actually addressed this earlier. So anyway, I did. Um, I got back to you. And, uh, and my, no, my, my, again, my delay in, in getting back uh, had more to do with really our, our schedule, yeah. our recording schedule than. You know, it wasn't, I was. So, so yeah. So on the second part, we can, hiding, hiding from Eric and. Or yeah. Brian or anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes. so I hope that, you know, that for the second part uh, and, 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 you know, uh, uh, Brian went on as well, but uh, Jay, I think you answered that, you know, your response. That was pretty, I think, clear, but I, as to the, I really appreciated the, the information on Australia's uh, more detail on their system. And I think that brings up a good point is that like with so many of these things, the, the the devil, if you will, is in the details, and there are a lot of ways to design a mandatory voting system where, you know, and it's not necessarily, and, pro- and I would say shouldn't be frog-marching people to the polls, basically, right? That right. would be a really yeah, bad Yeah, no, that, the, the, that Australian version sounds much, much less uh, onerous than the Ecuadorian version. Yeah, I mean, uh, well... I, I, again, not- we don't, I don't know all the specifics of, of, of Ecuador either, but actually this was one of, one of the questions I had I had. had on on uh mandatory voting is you know does that does that mean you have to vote for every office and and how does that work right uh, you know for example there are you know on on any in most cities certainly in mine you'll have a, a you know judges three pages worth of judges um uh all of them uh named uh, gallagher or o'connor and and it's a you know sorting through them and this is look I'm somebody who works in that system um, sorting through them can be difficult and a lot of times people say no I'm just not going to weigh in on something I don't know yeah. about um, so and and yeah I think that's and, and Australia I should point out that their I mean their voter turnout is uh, exceptionally high they average they average in the mid ninety percent range and they have for quite a long period of time for as far back as i can see the stats and that's back into the uh back into the 40s actually and that's uh, that's pretty impressive and it sounds like it's the sort of system that actually uh you know that actually allows for voters to you know uh, participate or not but it, it, you know based on what what uh what brian tells us that uh, i i like that idea and certainly i think we should do what we can to uh, incentivize voting and encourage voting and things like making voting a, a, a holiday and or doing it on a holiday or a Saturday or something like that. I think those are all good ideas. Okay. Would you, would you disagree with that? I mean, no, I, I uh, again, I, I'm still going to disagree on the, the mandatory uh, voting of uh, just because again, I have a fundamental issue with uh government says you have to go show up someplace or send something in and they're keeping track of you whether you do it or not um i i think i think that's problematic but as far as other things uh moving elections to a weekend or or some other day i um you know i i don't see an issue with that other than um let me ask you this jay uh and i'm being i'm not being flip here do you think that citizens have any duties or is it all just about rights and no responsibilities? Because I'm trying to think about what, in, in your kind of more libertarianish view, I mean, yeah. are there any responsibilities? I mean, aside from aside from not uh, not harming somebody else, doesn't? I mean, do citizens have any positive responsibilities, or, or is it all just all just about you know just don't don't hurt the other guy, do your own thing? I, I'd, I'd say mostly it's, it's about your your duties are to follow the the laws of uh, 
of, of you know where you live. So it's and, all negative. Yeah, don't don't the other guy. I mean that that I mean it's all just yeah. Do you, I mean look, I, really I'm, I'm not I, no, I'm not saying not look if we're talking about, it, but let's let's make differentiation here about uh, legal duties and moral duties, right? Moral duties. Uh, I, I, pardon? <laughs> I said moral duties. Do yeah, we even no, believe I in mean, those think, anymore? I think more your yeah, moral no, duty I mean, look, is to get I, as much think, stuff as you want and die with the most toys. That's what our culture wants us to do, right? I mean, come well, on. that may be so, but look, I, I think there are uh, there is a a moral duty to uh, participate in your community, in your government, uh, uh, and and do so in an educated uh, way. Um, so yeah, ab- absolutely. I think there's a moral duty, but I, I think there's there's a difference between that and, and having a, a legal duty um compelling you uh to participate. Uh look, likewise I, I would say there's um there's sort of a, a a moral duty, right, to kind of take care of yourself and, and, and so forth, but I don't think there's a legal duty and I I'd certainly uh balk at the, the government telling you 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 gotta go work out or something, right? I mean uh again there's people need a it's sort of it's sort of like, um, and again, we're getting a little far afield, but this struck me the other day about this. It's it's like a clockwork orange, right? Um, if if you are compelled to do the right thing, uh, are you really doing the right thing? That's a reasonable. Right? Yeah, sure. I see. I see what you're that's saying. A, that's I mean, a, it's this is a, a it's a bigger question example, than but for sure, us. absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of a philosophical sort of thing. So yeah. on that basis, then would you be a are you opposed then to people, you know, registering for selective service as they're, you know, required to do that sort of thing? No, or? no, that's because to me that that comes down to sort of a uh, a more fundamental. Uh, I, I think you could make the argument that a a country needs to be able to defend itself, uh, and that yeah. you ought to be. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, ready and able to do that. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. If, whether whether people uh, vote or not, I think is is less fundamental. Yeah, I would say um, I would say that for a democracy, uh, voting is even more fundamental uh, to to maintaining a democracy. But uh, but that's just me. So anyway, um, all right. Let's see here. What do we got next? Uh, uh, oh yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Brian uh, writes about the uh, uh, Michigan lame duck session we talked a little bit uh about that actually and he wrote in the yeah. michigan although we focus more on we focus more on wisconsin yeah. i think, I think but, we yeah. just mentioned michigan in passing basically but he wrote uh the true crime here excuse the term please was the activity regarding minimum wage the legislature quite literally stole a vote from the people of michigan because the party in power feared the ballot proposal on minimum wage would pass then they destroyed the bill with a simple majority after the election what does Jay have to say about this? And Jay, before you respond, just I want to explain this to, to listeners kind of a little bit of the, sure. the background. So the new law raises the state minimum wage in Michigan, and this is what the legislature passed. But it does so at a slower rate, sorry, at a slower rate than was proposed through a ballot initiative that the Republican legislature removed from the ballot by approving it themselves. And then in the lame duck session, they rolled it back after the election, which, if I understand correctly, they wouldn't have been able to do had it been approved through the initiative. So they passed right. the thing to make sure there wasn't an initiative. And then in the lame duck section, they rolled back the thing that they passed. And that seems like pretty, that certainly is sneaky, to say the least. That's the, the most yeah. positive yeah. spin. So what do, you, what do you think about that, Jay? Well, it certainly sounds sneaky to me. Um, that said, 
I mean, I think your remedy is uh, either now you've got a, a new majority where you can change that or you, you put on a new initiative to uh, mirror what the old initiative was. Yeah, I mean, right? yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think, look, obviously, look, it's 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 sneaky. Uh, I don't I don't think it's it's illegal. Um, and and you you've got a remedy there. So and I, and I think, you know, to me, and I talked about this of the last time we talked about lame duck sessions is the problem to me is when you try to when you have this just all you go by is what's legal and what's not as opposed to what is the, you know, sort of the ethically right thing to do. You know, we've talked about this before in the past. You can't put everything into, you can't codify everything, every, like every kind of right yeah. behavior, good behavior, bad behavior. There's this unwritten law, and it's true, for, it's true for conduct in general life. It's true for politics. And what we've seen more and more of is this idea that, well, we don't have to worry about the unwritten law. I can do whatever I want so long as it isn't illegal. And more and more as a society, I believe we're accepting this. And so you're right. There's there's a legal remedy. But the fact is, is that decent people wouldn't have done this because they know that it subverts the spirit of, of what, you know, what uh, representative democracy is supposed to be about. And if it was a dirty, underhanded, unethical thing, but it absolutely was not illegal. Well, let's let's but let's let's take a look at it this way, because um, you and I have, have agreed an awful a lot that um initiatives uh, uh you know big voter and and again this is this is as i understand the pure initiative not a constitutional uh, amendment um uh can be sort of a a blunt instrument right absolutely uh that it 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 necessarily lacks the uh sort of committee process the vetting uh that you get when you go through the legislature um if you remember the legislature and you see this initiative coming forward and you could say look this is uh, obviously, it's very democratic and, and small d democratic uh, in terms of, of people are, are 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 voting directly on it. Um, but we see this as being a real problem, a real concern for the Michigan economy. We think this could cost you know thousands, tens of thousands of jobs. Uh, don't you have a moral responsibility to say, look, if we tweak this, uh, we could make this something that that would still uh have a minimum wage increase but would not threaten um sort of the economic uh livelihood of our of our uh, state sure and and so which which again is 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 someone sitting here in Ohio I'm like all right Michigan you want to raise your minimum wage go for it but well one would think um, that the one would think that a decent person would do that by making their case uh through the through the initiative and not passing something to short circuit the initiative and then to roll it back that's cowardly well, once once the well, no. It's, are, are it's not, you, are, that's not so cowardly. is there is there that's, anything? Let me ask you this, Jay. Is there anything that's legal that a legislature could do that you would that you would say is is wrong, or is it just if it's not legal, who? if it's not illegal, then it's right? I mean, are you willing to make are, are you willing to make any sort of ethical judgment here? Or are you just going to say legal or illegal? Well, I guess here's here's my question: is, is why is it? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, probably sticking to the illegal or, or legal or illegal, and and then the voters can make up their mind as far as the ethics of it, right? I mean, that's the way the the system works. I'm not saying that's not how the that's, system that's works. That's the cost but... you you pay. That's where that's where you you evaluate that that ethics component. Um, there may be plenty of people uh, in Michigan who would say, "Wow, that was really the right decision." Man, you saved our state. Thank you, guys. Um, 
so the, the ends would but, justify but the, the idea, means. But the then. idea that you wouldn't the idea that you wouldn't use uh, a legislative tool available to you um, uh, to prevent something that you thought was a a serious wrong, uh, where the voters uh, were were. You know, I mean, again, I guess, this, no, this I mean, was a, it's, a it's the same logic that people use to stick by Donald Trump, who's, I think, doing a lot to destroy. Uh, no, no it, it, it is actually the same Trump. logic saying that, well, you know, we can get these good things. We can get a tax cut and so forth. So let's go around. Let's go along with this disgusting travesty of a human being as our president. I mean, I think that's exactly the same logic. Well, keep in mind, the, the the people of Michigan, right? Um have have the opportunity to uh to voice their opinion on these folks and a lot of people have been removed and now they can they can fix it again and and I, again i i just i i see a, a a difference in in working through a legislative process as opposed to uh trumpian sort of you know the trumpian kind of kind of nonsense um uh as far as and to me it just sounds like machiavellian know. means justify and justifies the means kind of logic that I think is just so disastrous. But but as to your point about the voters, uh, you know, uh, correcting this, uh, that kind of leads right into the, the related point that Brian, Brian makes uh, about gerrymandering. And he says, well, I absolutely agree. It's a bipartisan problem, but we could argue which side currently has the most advantage. It's such a cop out to say that, well, if one side fixes that their way, then in two to four years, the other may get its chance to even it out. This is a false argument because most states redistrict every 10 years, not just every time the party in power switches. Michigan right. is an excellent right. example where upwards of 54% of the state voted Democrat, yet the result of the midterms was a 53% Republican majority in the state house and a 58% Republican majority in the state Senate. As a result, redistricting, which will happen in 2020, would not have corrected the balance with the Republican legislature. Luckily, a ballot measure will hopefully ensure a bipartisan map so long as the legislature does not try to tamper with it. You know, and that's the point I've made. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's, right. I mean, they, they typically only redistrict 10 years, but that's at least uh, in, in most states. And I don't know about Michigan in particular is not a prohibition. No. Right. It's sort of you shall redistrict based on the census every 10 years. But I don't think it's a prohibition about doing it other times. Nope. Uh, in fact, Republicans in Texas to do did it, it after the uh, yeah. 2000 and they got into a lot of uh, hot water because it was they, they saw they seized the moment when they had a when they had a, a big majority. And I believe that was Tom DeLay, who was kind of at the time who was really the guy, the big guy behind that and took a lot of flack. Again, something that I would say is was not actually illegal, but was uh, certainly uh, unhanded, devious, and kind of going against the basic norms by which uh, our democracy operates. You know, and we've seen, I would argue, we've seen Republicans do that a lot more than Democrats. I, I think, I think you've, you've got this, uh, again, this is a recent thing about the basic norms of democracy. I think you and I just have different views historically about what's, uh, how, how that how those norms have been observed or not observed. Oh, well, no. I mean, historically, I think you go back a couple generations and see that Democrats were violating them a lot more. So I don't really see it. I mean, certainly if you look at... Well, that's what you know, I'm saying. Voting that's what rights I, my, my South, thing is, so. is are, are, they, are they norms? Are they... This is just what everyone has always done all the time. I think they're absolutely... I mean, there, there are certain values that we have, and, and certainly we don't always honor them. Uh, but, uh, you know, believing in one person, one vote and uh, the basic inequality of dignity of every human being and the political process and otherwise, they are absolutely bedrock values. And and we 
we never fully live up to them, but uh, we Cust- don't just... Customs more honored in their breach. So you're saying that we shouldn't? I mean, of course you're not As saying that, right? No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying that's 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 Shakespeare. I'm trying to class up the, well, the show here a little bit. See, but... well, very, very impressive. I, I, I had not... I, that, that's you. J- Jay's, Jay is by far the more cultured <laughs> person of the two of us. There's no question whatsoever. I've known that for, for a long, long time. So <laughs> thank you for that uh, effort to inject a little bit of class into the show, which went totally over my head, as these things often do. <laughs> so. so anyway, um, all right, that, uh, that, about, that about does it for us for this kind of, uh, after, our little, after our little break uh, that we had for, for the new year. And of course, uh, you know, as, as expected, I don't know if anything would change by the time people hear this in a few days, but uh, the government was shut down, so were we for a little while, and I don't expect that uh, we're going to see much of a change. No relation. No, no, really. nothing, nothing, nothing like yeah. that or anything like that, so uh, <laughs> not at all. But uh, anyway, so we hope you did enjoy, enjoy this show, and uh, if, you, uh, if you're interested in supporting us, that would be great. You can do that through uh, our Patreon site, patreon.com slash politicsguys, or go to politicsguys.com slash support. And uh, if you're already a supporter, thank you very much. We'd really appreciate if you could share this show. Uh, let your friends, neighbors, enemies, uh, co-conspirators, what have you, indicted or otherwise, uh, know about us. Uh, that would be great. And also, we have our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash politicsguys page. We're on Twitter at politicsguys. If you want to get in touch with us to let us know what you think, that's we're at mail at politicsguys.com. The executive producers of the Politics Guys are Michael Baranowski, Jay Carson, Trey Orndorf, Will Miller, and Bruce Johnson. Today's show is produced by Michael Baranowski. We'll be back with a new show on Saturday. We hope you'll join us.